Bibles if you have them. I already mentioned where we're going to be this morning, Second Corinthians chapter 10. I hope you can say today uh, that it is well with your soul and everything, no matter what happens in life. You know you have that peace uh, that God is your Lord and Savior. Second Corinthians chapter 10. And I want us to talk this morning on the subject of fighting the spiritual war. I mentioned a few minutes ago that if you are a believer, you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, that you are in a battle. No matter if you want to be or not, you are in a battle and you will be until Jesus Christ comes back and takes us home and, and, and permanently uh, destroys the work of the enemy. But until that day, we are in a battle. So how do you fight the spiritual war? The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 6 that our battle is not with each other. You, you may think that a lot of our problems are with each other, but that's not. It's not against flesh and blood. But it's against an ideology, a spiritual wickedness that is all around us. In the first uh, seven chapters we learned in Second Corinthians where Paul is addressing the church, those who are saved, those who have repented. And he's asking them and telling and encouraging them how to respond to those who are lost in the church. Those who are causing the problems. Those who are causing the issues. Once he addresses that, then he gets to chapter 8 and chapter 9, if you've been with us over the last several weeks, about the joy of generous giving. He wanted to address the church first, and then go back to the purpose of 2 Corinthians was a gift that Paul wanted to ask the church to give to the church of Jerusalem. And the reason why he told him to do that is because the church of, the church of Corinth said, we will give this gift. So Paul in chapter 8 and chapter 9 discusses that gift, generous gift. And then the last part of 2 Corinthians, and we'll be here for the next couple of weeks and we'll close out our study through 2 Corinthians, is chapter 10, 11, 12, and 13. Now Paul changes his tone. The encouraging Paul that we have known and we have seen over the last couple of weeks, it now changes because now Paul addresses the unrepentant minority that is in the church. Paul now addresses those who are teaching falsely and those who are, who are um, accusing Paul of not being an apostle of Jesus and not being one who is devout in his beliefs. He addresses it. Every church in America seems to have an unrepentant minority. Because the church is full of people, we don't know if everyone is saved and everyone is lost. Only God knows that. The majority, I believe, of those in churches today, they are saved. They have genuine conversion. They've repented of their sins. But there are those in churches all across America that are lost. And there's no repentance in there. And there's no, um, uh, there's no fruit in their life. So you can call them this unrepentant minority. In fact, one of the major reasons churches have problems today is because of the unrepentant minority. Those who have not yielded their life to the gospel of Jesus and because of pride or through the work of the enemy, they seek to divide. And that's what's happening at the church of Corinth. That's why Paul wrote them four different letters. Two of them wound up in the Word of God and the Scriptures and two other letters are more historical in nature that he wrote to the church. Of Corinth. So, how do you handle, how do you fight a spiritual war? You may be in one today. You may be at odds with someone, or there may be a problem or an issue with an individual that is, uh, you don't know what to do. That other person is unrepentant. 
And you try to answer that and try to help that. Well, our scripture this morning will give us some guidance concerning that. Look at the verse 1. The Bible says, now I, Paul, myself, he says, I am pleading with you. Remember, he's talking to those who are unrepentant. I am pleading with you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ, who in presence am lowly among you, but being absent am bold towards you. He is writing to the church. So those who are saved are reading this letter. But he's talking about now the unrepentant. And we'll develop that even more uh, next Sunday. But fighting the spiritual war takes about three or four different things. Number one, and I believe the most important, is a humble concentration. If you want to fight a spiritual battle, it must take a humble concentration. Paul, as he dresses, addresses in verse 1, he says, hey, I'm Paul. And I want this to happen to you. I want you to get your act together. You're in the wrong. You messed up. You need to go before the church and spill all the beans. He doesn't say that. <laughs> he says, I'm coming to you with meekness and gentleness of Christ. Folks, if we're going to win the spiritual war, we have to have humility. We have to have a humble concentration. Paul starts by expressing his unwillingness to engage in conflict. His unwillingness to just jump right into battle. Any good soldier would say the last resort is war. If there's something else we can do to fix that, let's do that. In the same way as a soldier in the army of God, the last thing we want to do is enter into a spiritual war. If it can be handled with humility, let's do that. He urged them to end their rebellion and to be reconciled to the truth of the gospel. He uses two words in this text. The first word is the word meekness. You may have the word gentleness. But it's the same word, meekness or gentleness. It's a humble, gentle attitude that results in patient endurance of offenses. If you want to win the battle, you have got to be patient. The opposite of patience is what? Uh, I'm going to make this up. But that is our flesh. The only way you can be patient is with the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. Because immediately we want to write people off. And we want to say, You're, that, that's enough. You've messed up. Go on. But he says meekness, which means a humble, gentle attitude. The word meekness means free of anger. Free of hatred. Free of bitterness and a desire for revenge. Free of all of that. To win the battle. It's not about getting even. Getting even. It's not about revenge. It's not about bitterness or hatred or even getting angry. But meekness. We've learned in our time through 2 Corinthians all the things that Paul is being accused of. You're lost. You're, 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 you're of the enemy. You're not of Christ. You're in the flesh. You're a false teacher. You're a false apostle. And everything you do is fake. Paul had every right to be angry, but he chose not to be. He says, but I'm coming with you with meekness. But he uses a second word, and it's the word gentleness or the word kindness. Uh, it describes those who graciously refuse to insist the full measure of their legal rights. The church, the unrepentant sinners in the church, they were in the wrong, and they deserved the punishment that they needed. Yet Paul showed gentleness friend listen to me this morning there may be you may be in a situation 
where the other party is in the wrong. They've messed up. They're the ones who need to repent. They're the ones who need to get right with God. Yet Paul says, hey, I'm coming to you with meekness and gentleness. Not pointing a finger. Not getting angry or bitter or even hatred. But I'm coming to you with a humble concentration. What is the main mission of the church? To reach the lost. And how are we going to reach the lost if we're not gentle and meek toward those who have been wrong? Several years ago, uh, it's been five or six years ago, um, was going through a situation in ministry. It was something I never I hadn't dealt with up until this point. Um, it was some some things that were happening in the church, and um, kind of like Paul's situation was dealing with a uh, with some some unrepentance, un, uh, people who are not repenting, um, some some things, some accusations, and all those. And really didn't know what to do. My, my flesh was anger. My flesh was hatred. My flesh was I hope I don't ever see you again. I, I, that's just I'm just being honest with you. And I remember I called a couple of older pastors, ones who had been down the road and they had uh, fought the same battles. They've got the t-shirts, they've got the plaques on the walls. We've all been there. And as I was telling them the situation, they, they said, well, what do you want to do? I said, well, I'm mad. I mean, because that's all not true. That's false. That's, that's, they're, they're destroying the church. And what I was hoping to hear was, buddy, I'll pray for you. Go after them. Instead, every one of them said... Sometimes you just need to take the high road. I said, I ain't never been there. So what's it like? They said, sometimes you just need to walk away. I said, but they're in the wrong. They said, I know. And so does the Lord. And just in humility, make that your mindset. That there are times where you just need to walk away. Take the high road. And shower them with kindness and with gentleness. And let God fight your battle. Now you don't need to do that all the time. But most of the time that will work. Most of the time just take the high road. And it's a lesson to learn. It's a lesson. That, that's what I did by the way. And I think because of that there was fruit in the church. Instead of making a mountain out of a molehill. We all just took the high road. And let God fight the issues. But then there's a second thing the Scripture teaches us in verse 2. He ends verse 1 saying, Whether I'm in presence or, or, or away from you, uh, there's boldness at times, but there's uh, also laying low at times. But then verse 2 he says, but, but, but I beg you. He says that when I'm present, I may not be bold with the confidence that which I intend to be bold against some who think of us as if we walked according to the flesh. So Paul is now addressing those who are accusing Paul of walking according to the flesh as opposed to the Spirit of God. In other words, you're fake. So number two, not only is there a humble concentration, but there's a fearless presentation. Taking the high road does not mean that you are a weakling. Taking the high road doesn't mean that you are a wimp or you are a sissy. Because he talks about in verse 2, a fearless presentation. Taking the high road means that you're standing firm in what you believe. And there are times where you need to walk away just like Jesus did. And then there are times where you need to turn over the money changers, the tables in the temple. But he says here in the second one, their fearless presentation. When all attempts at compassion are exhausted, Paul would fight fiercely 
to stand up for his beliefs. So this is why verse uh, point number one, a humble kind, taking the high road, works a lot of times. And Paul did that on many occasions. But Paul also stood fearlessly. That's why he was put in jail. That's why he was beaten. That's why he was left for dead. That's why he had stripes and imprisonments and all those to shipwreck. All because of his fearless presentation. No matter what happens in your life, you never lose the boldness of your relationship with Christ. Don't let anybody who is in conflict with you keep you from being bold for Jesus. Never. Your boldness does not depend on a circumstance in life. Your boldness depends on your relationship with Christ and how you're growing in that walk with Him, in your walk with the Lord. So verse 2 talks about a fearless presentation. Paul was a gentle giant. He would not back away from those who are threatening the church. He was fearless. And he made that in his demeanor, whether he was there or not. A couple of words that are mentioned in here. Is the word boldness. Verse 2 says, I beg you that when I am present, I may not be bold. I may not be uh, courageous. To become courageous. When it came to defending the truth, Paul was fearless. And nothing would ever shake him from his relationship with Christ. I read a story this week about a highway patrolman who um, was setting up radar. And there was a car with four elderly ladies who were driving down the interstate. And they were going 22 miles an hour. So the policeman pulled him, turned on the radar, turned on his lights and pulled him over. And as he pulled over the, the car with the ladies in there, uh, the policeman walked up to the car and, and said, Ladies, how are y'all today? And the woman who was driving said, Well, we're doing great. She said, I, I was following the speed limit. Why are you pulling me over? And the policeman said, you were going 22 miles an hour. The speed limit is 70. And you're going to end up getting somebody hurt if you don't at least go the, the, the minimum that's required on the interstate. She said, no, no, no. The speed limit back there, there was a sign that said 22. And the policeman thought for a second. She said, no, no, no. You're on interstate 22, not uh, going 22 miles an hour. She said, oh, I, I, I apologize for that. And he said, now the speed limit is 70. And she know, the, the policeman noticed the other ladies in the car were kind of shaking. And the policeman said, well, are y'all okay? Is everybody okay? And the woman driving said, yeah, we just got off of Route 127. Paul was never shaken. He was never, ever, ever shaken by what was taking place in the church. Nothing bothered him. There were things that may have um, ruffled him up a little bit, but he was fearless. Be a gentle giant. When you fight spiritual battles, never let it take your boldness away. Sometimes the words that speak the loudest are the words that are never spoken. Fearless. And Paul was fearless. He says in verse 2, I beg you that I will be bold and courageous against those who think that we're walking according to the flesh. Now verse 3 says, he says, though we walk in the flesh. It's a play on words from the end of verse 2. He says, verse 3, though we walk in the flesh. Paul says, hey, I'll be the first one to admit I'm a human. 
Just like you are, and you are, and you are, and you are, and you are. And we may mess up. I'm a human. We walk in the flesh, he says, but we do not war according to the flesh. Hey, church, he says, I want you to listen. I'm addressing those who are unrepentant in the church. But that's not our battle. Our battle is not against some person in the church. We do not war against the flesh, against human beings. Number three, not only is there a humble concentration, there's a fearless presentation, but number three, there's a divine preparation. See, you have to be prepared to fight the battles that you're in which we're all going to be a part of until Jesus comes back. He says, our weapons are our warfare. I mean, excuse me, verse 3. We walk in the flesh. We don't walk or in the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're not fleshly. But they're mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. We must be humble. We must be fearless. But we also must be prepared for the struggles that we face. He uses the word war, the New Testament word, in verse 3, which means to engage in battle, to serve as a soldier. Every Christian is in a battle. But he says here in verse 4, our weapons of our warfare are not carnal. It was Paul that wrote also in Ephesians 6, what weapons do we have as a follower of Christ? Brother John, what do I need to do when I'm in this battle with an individual or with this or that? What, what, what can I do? What's my, my uh, offense and what is my defense? Ephesians 6 spills it out. What's our defense? The helmet of salvation. You need to be saved. The breastplate of righteousness. What's righteousness? It's, it's right living that Christ gives you when you become a follower of Christ and you develop that in your walk with Christ. That breastplate of righteousness. The belt of truth. The feet of the gospel of peace. The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. There are two offensive weapons for Christians to fight battles today. Number one is prayer. Number two is the Word of God. Prayer Word of God. These, this is your weapon. This is your sword. You don't go and beat them half to death with it. You go and you share what Christ has done inside of you. It's the Word of God. So it's a divine presentation, excuse me, a divine preparation when it comes to our walk with Christ and fighting a spiritual battle. Our spiritual war cannot be fought with fleshly weapons. Your reasoning, your wisdom, your plans, your strategies, your eloquence, on and on and on and on, will not defeat and will not rescue sinners from the kingdom of darkness. How do you get saved? By the work of the Holy Spirit. Because it's a spiritual battle. So when you're facing someone who is unrepentant, somebody who is lost, how do you handle that? The same way Christ saved you through the work of the Holy Spirit. The only way that battle is going to be solved is through the work of the Holy Spirit of God. It's the Word of God and it's prayer. The Bible says, I love some of these next words down in verse number 4. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. The stronghold is the refers to the central argument. It's the main problem. What I've learned in ministry is a lot of times when people are struggling through something, it's usually silly and simple. Uh, some of the littlest things in the world will divide individuals. But that's a stronghold. That's a, a, a fortress that the enemy has built around someone's life or, or two people's life. And it's hard to, you, you can't, you can't, 
destroy that apart from the work of God. But the Bible says our weapons, they're not carnal, but they're mighty in God. And they pull down those strongholds. They pull down those walls. They pull down those fences that separate us in our walk with Christ. The second thing, it does not only divine uh, power to destroy strongholds, but they cast down arguments and every high thing that exalt itself. Literally, every high thing lifted up against the knowledge of God. That's what the Scripture says in verse 5. Casting down arguments. And every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Every spiritual battle is a battle against the knowledge of God. It's that high thing that's in your life. It could be pride. It could be prestige. It could be power. A lot of the issues in churches today or struggles are because of power. It's a me, myself, my mentality. And it's the struggles. It's the, it's the high places that are in your life. That the Bible says the, 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 the weapons of God will destroy all of that. A genuine Christian, they own nothing. We're bought with the price. We are go- the Lord's. We are God. We don't own anything apart from the grace of God. So it casts down arguments. And every high thing that exalts itself, it destroys everything against the knowledge of God. Divine weapons do not win arguments. Divine weapons do not win debates. Listen to me this morning. The Word of God in prayer will not win an argument. You don't go to someone when you're facing a spiritual battle and they're unrepentant and say, Hey, let me, let me share with you all of these scriptures about what you're doing is wrong. Try that one time. You only do it once. That ain't going to work. Our weapons do not win arguments or debates. Our weapons change an ideology. Our weapons change the mind. Our weapon changes the heart. Because when you're fighting with someone who is lost, who cares if you win an argument? Who cares if you win a debate? Who cares if you win, if they become your friend again? They're lost. And they need Jesus. They need that, that for, for you as a, as a fellow believer to be divinely prepared. So when that opportunity comes, who cares about the debate and who cares about anything else that is going on? The main problem is the stronghold, which is that their father is the devil. They need to be saved. They need to come to the knowledge of the truth. When people come to believe in Christ, it's not because of their cleverness their charisma, but it's because of the gospel has cut down the high towers in their souls that they once set against the knowledge of God. So it casts down arguments. Every high thing that exists. And then it goes on the last part. It says, uh, verse 5, every thought. Our weapons are mighty in God. And they will pull down and cast down every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. I don't know how many times I read that this week, and every time I read it, there's just conviction that the weapons of our warfare, which are mighty in God, will cast down every single thought into obedience of Christ. Wow. What a beautiful picture to think that every thought that we ever think until now, until Jesus comes back, is in obedience to Christ. What a goal. What a desire. 
And then when we're fighting these spiritual battles, our weapons will bring every single thought. See, you may say you want to do something, but you're thinking something totally different. So Paul says, look, our actions are going to change. It's going to cast down every argument, but it's going to change your mindset. It's going to change your ideology. It's going to change what you're thinking. The word thought is the word for the mind as the intellectual center of being. Could anything be more wonderful than to have every thought held captive by obedience to Christ? So how do you fight the battle? Humbleness. Fearless. Divinely prepared. And then we come to verse 6. And being ready... To punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. A lot of us want to put verse 6 as verse 1. Now, Paul, when I come to you, I'm going to punish everybody. Everybody that's called me names, everybody that's dividing the church, we're coming and we're coming like Jesus on the money, on the turning of the tables. We're coming to clean house. Y'all better get ready. We're coming. <laughs> he doesn't do that. But he also doesn't back down. He said, look guys, we're going to be humble. And we're going to try to win this through gentleness and meekness. If that doesn't work, I want you to know that we're bold. We're gentle giants. Nobody will ever make us quiet when it comes to the gospel of Jesus. We're fearless. I want you to also know that we're divinely prepared. Our hearts are ready. We've got the helmet of salvation, the belt of truth, the blessed foot of righteousness. We've got our feet fitted with the gospel of peace. We're coming in prayer. We're coming with the right heart, the right attitude. We're coming, and I want you to know, number four, there's a cautious confrontation. Paul says, we're not going to let you divide the church. Those of you that are unrepentant will not divide what God has started and what God is continuing. So there may come to a point, he says in verse 6, and being ready... To punish all disobedience. And notice what Paul says. When you're, who's your? That's the saved. That's the church. When your obedience is fulfilled. Paul says, look, church, I'm ready. When you are. When you are and you're, and you're in the right faith, when you are in obedience to Christ, you're divinely prepared. Let's do it. And we will stand for the gospel of Jesus. Paul would not allow those who are in error to destroy the church. But he had to discipline, had to wait, had to discipline to wait until the church's obedience was complete. Church, I'm ready to cautiously confront, Paul says, if that needs to happen. Hopefully through meekness and gentleness and taking the high road, they will repent. Hopefully they will see our example and say, you know what? There's something different. Paul's not what we thought, what we, he thought, what, what, we, what uh, we thought he was. And we're wrong. And we repent. And we're sorry. But he says in verse 6, there may come a time where we need to cautiously confront. With the heart and the attitude of repentance and restoration. Not anger, not hatred, not bitterness, not trying to win a debate, not trying to win an argument, but trying to see those that are lost 
saved. So if you're in a battle this morning, I think the Lord has taught us to be humble, to be fearless, be prepared before you ever try to confront and let the Lord fight your battles. Let's pray. God, I thank you for today. Lord, I pray today, Lord, for those that are in a battle and they're fighting with the enemy. There's unrepentance. There is um, lack of salvation maybe between somebody. And Lord, how our flesh wants to be angry and hate and bitter and confront just to win an argument. God, I pray we would learn through your word this morning how to win and how to fight spiritual battles. God, I pray today you'd humble us. Lord, the high places in our life, God, would you take care of those? Would you break our hearts for what breaks yours? And God, when we face those battles, Sometimes we need to take the high road. We're always bold and fearless. We must always be prepared divinely. Our weapons are not fleshly, but they're mighty in God. And they will pull down strongholds. They will pull down ideologies. And God, there are times where we must cautiously confront with the hopes that there's repentance and that there's salvation. So God, whatever battle one may be facing today, may you help us to be prepared. Lord, there may be some today that doesn't have a relationship with you. They've never repented of their sins. They've never trusted in you as their Savior. And God, as we extend an invitation to trust you as their Savior, Lord, I pray they would step out and they would just come. And by their coming, they're saying, I'm repenting of my sins and my desire is to trust in Jesus as my Lord and my Savior and for Him to save me from my sins. Lord, there may be those who need to do that today. There may be guests who need to publicly come and unite with this church, begin to serve, and to be a part of the church, as Paul mentioned in verse 6, to be obedient in all things. There are times where we are joyful and we need to celebrate. There are times where we need to come together and fight spiritual battles. So those who need to come and be a part of our church, Lord, would you lead them? We love you. Work through us as we respond to you. In Jesus' name, amen. I want you to stand. As